This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. The white pickup pulled into the opposite lane and started to gain speed. If he got in front of us and his buddy was behind us, then we'd be boxed in and trapped. This man grabs the back of my mother's head and once, twice, three times smashes it into the steering wheel, leaving her unconscious. It looked like something straight out of a horror film, an old wood-covered bridge, aged by time, sitting alone above a river deep in the middle of nowhere. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting Disturbed. StoryWorth is a meaningful gift you and your family can treasure forever, and you can get started right away. Go to storyworth.com disturbed to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks also to Territory Foods. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, ready-to-eat meals. To save $75 across your first three orders and get free shipping, go to territoryfoods.com and use promo code DISTURBED. And finally, thanks to Warby Parker. Warby Parker makes high-quality, stylish, and affordable glasses that start at only $95. To try five pairs of glasses at home for free, go to warbyparker.com disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. Today, I'm bringing you five true horrifying tales that will send chills down your spine. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. One quick programming note at the top. We will be dark next week for Christmas, so no new episode. But keep your eyes peeled on your feed. I just might be dropping something in there for you. And with that, let's get rolling. We open the show hearing from Reddit user WordBlender, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we embark on a beautiful drive. This story is why I always tell someone where I'm going and how I'm getting there. I lived in New Mexico for several years before moving to the Midwest. 
My friend, Amy and I, both females, would spend many days exploring the remote corners of New Mexico, discovering abandoned ghost towns and enjoying the quiet, desolate beauty of the desert. One afternoon in March 2010, we were traveling from Riodoso to Albuquerque. Always up for exploring, we took a back road rather than traveling the more direct highway. One leg of our journey had us on NM55. It's a remote, teeny tiny two-lane highway. We loved those types of roads up until that day. This part of New Mexico is flat and desolate desert. You can see for miles, and there is virtually nothing except dirt and rock between towns, and towns can be miles apart. So we were on NM55 going north. After a few minutes, we saw a white pickup truck up ahead of us, going the same direction. Suddenly, he stopped his truck sideways in the middle of the highway, blocking both lanes. We were about a mile away from him, and as we got closer, we began to get uneasy. We could see no reason for him to do this. We were the only other vehicle out there, and we began wondering if we should turn around rather than come up to him and have to stop. We were about a half a mile away from him when he pulled over to the opposite side of the highway, but his truck was still pointed the direction we were going. We tried to relax a little. Surely this guy was a rancher or something. Maybe he was checking something on his land. As we passed him, we noticed a few things. One, there was only one person in the truck, a middle-aged guy who never took his eyes off of us. And two, he was talking into a walkie-talkie. A few seconds after we passed him, he pulled back onto the highway and started following us. But he never got too close. He would get to within a few car lengths and then drop back a little and then speed back up again to within a few car lengths. We were getting nervous. We realized how alone we really were. We had seen no other traffic on that road and we hadn't told anyone about our great idea to take this detour. We checked our cell phones and neither one had signal, typical for remote New Mexico, but scary given our present situation. Amy was driving and speeding up while I frantically checked the map, hoping to find a road that would have more traffic. There was no other road. We had to travel this one to get to the next town, Mountain Air. Turning around to go back the other way didn't seem like a good option. After a few minutes, we saw another pickup truck coming towards us. He was going very, very slowly, maybe two miles per hour if that. This pickup was old and beat up, whereas the one behind us was newer. Amy had us up to 75 miles per hour, which wasn't typical for us on these 55 mile per hour highways, and we blew by the old pickup. As we passed it, we saw that it was another middle-aged guy, and he was talking into a walkie-talkie. After the white pickup passed him, he pulled a U-turn and pulled in behind it. As we watched all this, we could see the white pickup truck guy talking into his walkie-talkie. No doubt these two knew each other. We were being deliberately followed, and for the first and only time in my life, I felt hunted. They stayed right behind us. We watched for obstacles in the road. We truly thought old beat-up pickup guy had set up a trap in the road, and our vehicle would be disabled somehow. We talked about driving into the fields. We were in an SUV, but this was obviously their territory, and we were afraid of what would happen if we went off-road and got cornered. So, we stayed on the highway. By now, white pickup truck guy was right on top of us. We could see him talking into the walkie-talkie as he stayed right on our bumper. 
and old beat-up pickup truck guy was right on top of him. The three of us sped down the highway. The white pickup inched closer. His maneuvering and edging closer made it apparent that he was trying to bump us. I watched helplessly as he got to within inches of our back bumper. Amy floored it. We were passing 80 miles per hour and edging up to 90 miles per hour. The road was flat and deserted, but any little thing going wrong would have been catastrophic. We absolutely were not going to slow down or stop if we could help it. The white pickup pulled into the opposite lane and started to gain speed. The only thing we could think of was that he wanted to pass us and get in front of us. If he got in front of us and his buddy was behind us, then we'd be boxed in and trapped. We looked frantically at the rocky desert on both sides of us. Our only option was to off-road it. Should we risk it? Could we speed through the desert and make it to safety in one piece? As we topped a small incline, we saw a sign that said Salinas Pueblo Missions National Monument, and it pointed towards a road on the left. And right at that moment, a blue pickup truck pulled out of that road and onto the highway in front of us. As we came up on the blue pickup, we saw the plate said U.S. Park Service. We looked at each other and then looked behind us. Both pickup trucks did U-turns and went the other way. We followed the blue pickup to Mountain Air and then made our way to Albuquerque. I don't know exactly what those guys' intentions were, but they weren't good. There's something seriously wrong out there. I notified the state police and they said they would keep an eye on things. This area is very near Belen, New Mexico, which is where Tara Calico was abducted. It's also about 100 miles from Elephant Butte, New Mexico, which is where David Parker Ray had his secret torture laboratory. We didn't put all that together until later. Even though David Parker Ray had died by the time this happened to us, we do believe that there are others out there like him. And whoever abducted Tara has never been caught. Or maybe we came into meth lab territory. But since this happened on an actual highway rather than a backcountry road, I tend to discount the meth lab theory. Whatever is going on out there, it's not good. So let's not ever meet or have anyone else ever meet these guys. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Next up, we check in with Reddit user Big Rock Candy Mountain, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel, and we fight off a would-be kidnapper. I told this story to a friend recently, and they seemed genuinely surprised. I guess I thought something similar happens to everyone. They suggested sharing my story, so this seems like a fitting place. It was the summer of 98, hot California desert. I was five years old riding shotgun in my mom's crappy little convertible. It barely ran, but the seats were red velvet, the radio worked, and being able to take the top down almost made up for the lack of air conditioning. My days were normally spent at daycare or the babysitters as my single student mom put in long hours at her job to provide for us. I didn't mind. It just meant the days like today were even more special. My mom was driving me across to the next county to my cousin's house for a birthday party that was going to be complete with dress-up games and ice cream cake. To truly seal the deal, she had taken us to McDonald's right before we headed out on our drive. 
I got a Happy Meal with a stuffed Simba from The Lion King as my toy. That will be important later. Our convertible eased onto the freeway and for the most part it was a pleasant and uneventful ride. I remember the loud noise of the cars and the hot wind. I first become aware of the truck as it lays on its horn behind us. I turned in the seat to see a huge gray monster of a truck tailgating us ridiculously close. As soon as it was safe, my mom changes to the slow lane on the right of the freeway, assuming he will pass us. He pulls level to our car, rolls the windows down, and begins screaming at us to pull over. In the middle of the desert. On the freeway. My mom ignores him and tells me to do the same. I remember feeling uneasy, but less scared than annoyed. Kind of like, dude, come on, this is my day to have fun, leave us alone. Besides, I wasn't really a stranger to angry, shouting men, even at that age. Unfortunate, but true. I think the lack of reaction irritated the man, or maybe this was his plan the entire time, but he swiftly pulls into our lane and essentially forces us off the road onto the shoulder. My mom does her best to maintain control of the car and not make contact with the other vehicle, but that's pretty much impossible. The unmistakable crunch of metal rings out and both vehicles come to a stop. Again, on the side of a desert freeway. Not exactly anyone around to help out or places to go. My mom checks me to see if I'm okay and remains in her seat. Now, if I were her, I don't know if I would have waited to confront this man with a child in my car after that stunt. However, my ma has, and always will be, the tough-as-nails type of gal who isn't afraid of anything. Especially when she feels she has been wronged. And of course, she had no idea what was to happen next. In a flash of anger and cursing, the man is at the driver's side door, screaming about the damage to his car and how it was caused because of food trash that had been flying out of the convertible, landing on his front window and blocking the view. He starts demanding compensation, that my mom get out of the car and come back and look at his car. At this point, my mom refuses to get out of the car. She points at a call box a fair distance away, remember those, and says it's best to call the cops and let them handle this. Not the answer the angry man wanted. In one fluid movement, this man grabs the back of my mother's head and once, twice, three times, smashes it into the steering wheel, leaving her unconscious. Lifting her like a sack of potatoes, he drops her on the side of the road and jumps into the driver's seat, keys still in the ignition, and starts the car up. I hadn't even reacted yet. I think I was in an absolute state of shock. It wasn't until I felt the car moving and getting back on the road that I registered what had happened. And when it hit me, it hit me hard. I went ballistic. I was no longer just annoyed with this man. I was now furious for what he had done to my mom. I remember I held my stuffed Simba by the tail as I climbed out of my seat and began screaming while whipping the man in the face, trying to blind him. My battle cry, I'll always remember, was, you're the meanest man in the whole world. I clawed and kicked and gave no care to what was going to happen to me, just that this man was going to pay. This led to a couple of things happening. First, I made it impossible to drive the car safely, and he ended up crashing into another shoulder, 
Second, by this time, people had started to see a combination of a woman lying on the shoulder, a convertible with a Tasmanian devil of a five-year-old beating up on some creeper, and decided to alert authorities. I don't remember too much after that. I remember the cops coming and sitting in the back of a police cruiser. They gave me a teddy bear and asked me a lot of questions, and my grandma picked me up. My mom went to the hospital where she thankfully didn't have any major damage, just a busted nose and some whiplash. Never made it to my cousin's party, and never saw that white convertible again. I'll always be thankful for my main man Simba having my back through all of that. I don't know what the man's intentions were. Looking back and knowing the area we lived in, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if drugs played a major part in all of this. But yeah, creepy carjacker, let's not meet. Disturbed is brought to you by StoryWorth, and this holiday season, I wanted to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique. That's why I'm giving the people I care about StoryWorth. Now, what is StoryWorth? It's a really unique and personal gift that's just perfect for the holidays. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's such a great way to stay in touch with family even if you can't all be together in person. Every week, StoryWorth emails a different story prompt, questions you've never thought to ask, like where did you go on vacations as a child, and what's a small decision you made that ended up having a big impact on your life. Then after one year, StoryWorth will compile every story, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. It's so well put together and it's something you're really going to cherish. I've learned a lot about my dad and some of the family trips he took as a child, and I can't wait to see the completed book all put together. Pass on stories and life lessons to your children and their future families. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com disturbed and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com disturbed and save $10 on your first purchase. Disturbed is brought to you by Territory Foods, and I gotta say, this is something I've recently discovered, and I can't tell you how convenient it is. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of meals that are sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, and the part that I like most, they're ready in just 90 seconds or less. You can forget all that annoying shopping and meal prep time. No, these meals are made for ease and convenience, and they taste great. Territory uses only healthy fats, clean proteins, and lots of sustainably harvested seasonal produce. High quality ingredients that your body will thank you for. You won't need to worry about gluten, inflammatory oils, dairy, or refined sugar because the entire menu is free and clear of all of those. The meals are delivered twice a week, so it's always fresh. And Territory is now available in most major US cities. We are smack dab in the holiday season and Territory makes a great gift. I just sent a pack of meals to a friend in Florida and he was really surprised at how great they tasted and his favorite part was having meals ready to eat so quickly. Several different options are available including Mediterranean, Whole30, Paleo, Vegan, Keto Friendly and more. You can even pause or cancel your meals at any time. So here's the deal. 
To save $75 across your first three orders, plus free shipping, go to TerritoryFoods.com and use the promo code DISTURBED. That's $75 you can save across your first three orders, along with free shipping, by going to TerritoryFoods.com with the promo code DISTURBED. And as always, supporting our sponsors helps support the podcast. Now back to the deliciously frightful, Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Next up is our title story, coming to us from Reddit user Sturrux, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we're visited by the woman on White's Bridge. This happened way back in October of 2006. At that time, I was just a 19-year-old kid, always on the lookout for adventure. One Friday night, after wrapping up my shift at McDonald's, I met up with some friends who suggested we check out this haunted location called White's Bridge. My one buddy Brendan said he had recently learned about it and began telling us the legends associated with the 100-year-old wood-covered bridge. And never one to turn down a spooky experience, we all piled into my green Fort Taurus and headed out on our journey. Brandon gave directions, guiding me off the main road and within minutes we were on the dirt back roads surrounded by woods and cornfields. Our only point of reference was a blinking cell tower off in the distance. We could tell we were getting further from the city as our cell phones began slowly losing service. And as we rode deeper and deeper into what legitimately felt like the absolute middle of nowhere, Brandon repeated the legend associated with the bridge. Back in the early 1900s, a local farmer discovered that his beloved wife had been cheating on him, and in a fit of rage, he killed her and her lover after discovering them in the act. After committing the cold-blooded murder, the farmer left his home and wandered the dirt roads in a daze. We eventually came upon White's Bridge, where the realization of what he had done finally began to sink in, and deciding that he would rather die than face the consequences of his actions he hoisted a rope up and over one of the bridge's rafters and, well, hung himself. As far as I can tell now, the story is complete fiction, but we totally believed it at the time. After a long and bumpy ride, Brandon instructed me to turn right on an off-road I wouldn't have even noticed was there had he not pointed it out. I took the turn, and there before us was White's Bridge. It looked like something straight out of a horror film, an old wood-covered bridge, aged by time, sitting alone above a river deep in the middle of nowhere. He parked the car on the side of the road and got out to explore. Immediately catching our eyes was a scarecrow lying abandoned at the entrance to the bridge. My friend Mike, who was known as somewhat of a risk taker, and a stupid one at that, picked up the scarecrow and lit it on fire. The hay body burst up into a ball of flames and Mike waved it around proudly next to the old, dry wood bridge. Realizing the risk, I told him to throw the damn thing in the river and it put it out, which thankfully he did. After making sure there weren't any rogue embers that could ignite the bridge, Brandon suggested we get back into the car and pull it onto the bridge. He explained that the legend was that if you parked your car in the middle of the bridge, put it in neutral and killed the engine, the spirit of the dead farmer would push the vehicle forward to get it off the bridge. Naturally, we had to try this. We piled back in and did exactly as he said. We parked halfway across the rickety old bridge and killed the engine. We sat in the pitch black, saying nothing, waiting for something, anything, to happen. The only sounds were the creaking of the bridge, 
the river flowing beneath us, and footsteps. Suddenly, the back driver's side door opens and a woman abruptly enters the back seat, cramming in next to my two friends back there. She looked to be in her late 20s, early 30s, with long, straight black hair, slim, wearing a plaid shirt and blue jeans. Now, it's been a while, but this is essentially how I remember the conversation going. I saw your fire signal for me, she said. Uh, wait, what? I replied, totally freaked out and at a complete loss for words. I'm so glad you came. My boyfriend's car broke down down that way. I need a ride back. My brain was doing its best to compute the situation. I'm sorry, but who are you? I asked. What are you doing out here? I told you, she responded curtly. My boyfriend's car broke down over there. Can you please just give me a ride so I don't have to walk all the way back? She was pointing ahead, toward a narrow road that forked off to the right and on the other side of the bridge. My friend Mike, the scarecrow burner and ever the gentleman, added, I mean, if you need a place to stay, you're more than welcome to come crash at my place. I got plenty to drink and it... I interrupted him. No, no lady, listen, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. You, you just got in my car and this is all really weird. You could be an axe murderer for all I know and... It, I'm sorry, you have to get out. She glared at me in the rearview mirror. And if looks could kill, I would have been done for. But you signaled for me, she responded in an irritated tone. No, we weren't signaling for you, get out. She let out an angry sigh and got out, walking back in the direction from which she came and disappearing into the night. I started the engine right up and looked at my friends. They had all looks of disbelief on their face. Without saying a word, I put the car in drive and slowly rolled forward and off the bridge. We needed to turn around and go back across the bridge to get back to where we had come from, and the only way to do that was to pull onto the side road that the woman said her boyfriend's car had broken down on, and then reverse. But as I pulled onto the side road, my headlights illuminated the three posted signs that I hadn't been able to see from the bridge. No trespassing, private property, and do not enter. Looking up the road, there was no sign of the woman. And wherever she went, it didn't appear that she went that way. I didn't want to stick around though, so I backed up and crossed the bridge again, and from there began the journey home. We didn't have much to say on the ride home, well, except for Mike, who asked if he knew anyone that would be awake at this hour that he could score some weed from. I visited White's Bridge a couple times after that, but nothing of note happened in my subsequent visits. Sadly, some delinquents burned down the old White's Bridge some years ago. Yeah, it was rebuilt, but from what I hear, it's just not the same as the original. I don't have any plans to go and check it out. So, to the strange lady who entered my car in the middle of nowhere at 2am, let's not meet. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. Up next, we hear from Reddit user The Demon Queen Luna, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we just can't escape the grocery store stalker. This happened about four years ago. I was 20 at the time. The first time I met the guy who would become my grocery store stalker, 
He was standing outside the store collecting money for the Salvation Army Christmas time donations. I'm a fairly friendly person, so I like to say hi to people who work at places I frequent to be nice. This guy was a kid around my age, very tall, with a mild resemblance to Lurch from the Adams family. Dark circles under dark eyes, short black hair, kind of a vacant look in his eyes. I chatted with him for maybe two minutes, just idle chit-chat about the weather and whatnot. Nothing particularly memorable or interesting, and then waved goodbye and went home. Little did I know, that single moment would be the start of something that would have me genuinely afraid. About four or five months passed, and I hadn't seen him again. Then one day, I was grocery shopping with a friend when, as we were chatting, she suddenly got really quiet and kind of recoiled backwards, looking behind me. I turned around to see this guy, who had to be at least 6'4", towering over me and not eight inches from my body. He said hi and told me he remembered me from that December I had talked to him and then asked for my number. I, being young and never having experienced this type of interaction before, told him I didn't have my number memorized, but that I would write his down and text him later. I kind of half-waved my phone at him, pointing out my at-the-time boyfriend whose picture was my wallpaper, making a point to say, oh, look, that's my boyfriend, to the guy, hoping he would clue in, but no luck. He told me his number, which immediately upon getting, I blocked without letting him get my phone number. However, what really made my blood run cold was what he said after I put my phone away. He leaned in real close and in a low voice, he told me, whatever I text you is for your eyes only. At this point, I started to feel genuinely uncomfortable. I said, yeah, sure, uh... Nice talking to you, but we gotta get back to shopping. And I grabbed my friend and dragged her off, shooting a panicked look at her and asking why she didn't bail me out. Apparently, he scared her too with his getting so close to me, and she didn't know what to do. I want to make it clear. I'm not exactly a small girl, at 5'8 and solidly built, and I can certainly handle myself, and I very rarely feel intimidated or small in the presence of anyone, male or female. But this guy made me feel tiny and scared. In the months that would follow, he would make me feel truly frightened. I had hoped that creepy interaction would be the last time I saw him, but that was unfortunately not the case. After that initial meeting with him saying that creepy thing about his text being for my eyes only, it seemed like I would run into him every single time I got to the store. No matter what checkout lane I was in, he always seemed to appear at the end of it when I was finished shopping. And every time I was in the store, I would notice him out of the corner of my eye watching me, no matter what area I was in. One time, I even caught him following me out to my car. At that point, I got scared and decided to say something to the managers. After letting the managers know what was going on, they assured me they would tell him not to talk to me. After that, he wouldn't speak to me, but I would continue to see him following me around the store at a distance every time that I went up there. It got so bad and I felt so frightened that I started to be afraid to go to the store at all. 
but I am one of those stubborn people who refuses to be intimidated by someone to the point where I'll stop doing something. I had hoped that maybe it was a coincidence that he was following me. After all, it was a big store and maybe he just had things to do that just happened to be in the area I was shopping in. So I started to pay close attention to my surroundings. Once I started really paying attention, I realized that every single time I was up there, I would constantly notice him in the areas of the store I was in. During my last encounter with him, I went up to the store to grab just two or three items I needed for dinner that night. And I first saw him standing outside the store when I got there and with his back to me. So I quickly ran inside, hoping he didn't see me. Unfortunately, a few minutes later, I saw him at the very back of the store and items in hand, I immediately made a beeline towards the front. As soon as I got near the checkout, I ducked behind one of the shelf displays and watched carefully at the front of the store to see if the guy would appear. And he did. I watched as he looked up and down the checkout. And when he didn't see me there, I saw him step outside. At this point, I quickly ran into the nearest open cashier, rang up my items, and stuck my head out the door to look for him. I didn't see him there immediately, so I started trying to make my way back to where I was parked. I had parked a ways away, near the side of the store where a bunch of other small stores and restaurants were lined up. And as I was walking towards my car, I realized I saw him standing by the entrance that I had first entered the store through, and I ducked behind a pillar immediately, hoping he didn't see me. I watched carefully from behind the pillar, and as he scanned the parking lot, he obviously couldn't find me. After a minute or two, he started to walk out towards the direction of the parking lot in front of the store. And so I took that opportunity to make a run for it to my car as soon as he was far enough away that I felt safe. As soon as I got to my car, I locked the doors. And to my horror, when I looked up, he was standing there about 15 feet from my car with a shopping cart in front of him. I knew he followed me. He knew I knew. I fully believe he had chased after me and when I made it to my car, he grabbed the nearest cart to make it look like he was collecting them from the parking lot. I remember just feeling absolutely terrified at that moment. I went home and immediately told my grandfather what had happened. I began crying and shaking, and my grandfather told me to get in the car. We were going to settle this. He and I drove up to the store in his car, and he walked me into the store and demanded we speak with the managers immediately both of them. When the managers arrived at customer service, he asked me to tell them what had been happening and demanded that they ensure he left me alone or that he would involve the police. The manager swore up and down they would take care of it. As far as I know, he wasn't fired immediately because my friend who first encountered him with me when this whole thing began told me that she would see him from time to time when she was there by herself, but that any time I went with her, she would never see him. I fully believe he knew whenever I was there. Only this time, instead of stalking me, he avoided me. Eventually, everyone who knew the situation stopped seeing him there. So I think he may have gotten fired or moved on from that store. Either way, I haven't had any issues since, but I have never in my life felt so afraid of another human being as I did that day seeing him make eye contact with me in the parking lot as I locked my car doors. It still creeps me out to think he was watching me so closely every time I entered the store 
that he could so easily avoid or follow me whenever he wanted. So, to the guy who stalked me every time I went grocery shopping for four months straight, let's never meet again. Disturbed is brought to you by a new sponsor to the show, and that is Warby Parker. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. It's really affordable and convenient. And check this out. You can use your FSA or HSA dollars on all of these different options. Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Now, you might be thinking ordering glasses online can be challenging because how are you going to know how they actually look and feel on you? They've actually solved that dilemma. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses to try at home for five days. It costs you absolutely nothing, including free shipping, with a prepaid return shipping label included and no obligation to buy anything. Their styles range from extra narrow to extra wide, so your face shape is covered. Sunglasses start at $95 and are available with a prescription. Warby Parker sunglasses feature premium polarized lenses that are scratch resistant and provide 100% UV protection. My experience has been such a breeze. I went on to warbyparker.com and took the quiz, and it's really easy. You answer a few simple questions like the shape of your face, what frame shape and color you might like, and then they'll suggest the best frames to fit your style. I have my five pairs on the way to try out for free, and you can too. To try five pairs of glasses at home for free, go to warbyparker.com disturbed. That's five pairs of glasses to try at home for free by going to warbyparker.com disturbed. And as always, supporting our sponsors help support the podcast. Now back to the horror. And finally, we check in with Reddit user Mickey0323, featuring voice work by Addison Peacock and we very nearly get lured in by the helpless man. This happened during the summer of 2015, and I had just graduated high school, and I still lived in my hometown. I was out with some friends, and it was getting really late, like around 1 a.m., so I decided to head home. I stopped by a drugstore close to my house that was 24-7 to pick up some aspirin and snacks. The one I went to was in the same parking lot as a supermarket. Important. I parked my car close to the store and it was empty. There were no more than two other cars in this giant parking lot and I was nowhere near them. I head in and grab what I came to get quickly because I had this overwhelming feeling of dread the whole time. I felt like someone was watching me, but I couldn't see anyone else there besides me and the cashier. Then, after I'd gotten everything I intended to buy, I stalled checking out and just went aisle by aisle looking at random things because I thought whoever was out there would leave if I took too long. Really, the whole time I thought I was being paranoid because I wasn't used to going out late, strict parents growing up. After 20 minutes of that, I pay and leave the store. I get to the door and literally bolt to my car, pepper spray in hand, and lock myself in. I turned my head to check the back seat, and right before I could breathe a sigh of relief because no one was there, someone tapped on my window. I looked around before I left the store near the entrance, and no one was around my car. So how did I not see a person there? This was where I really freaked out. 
I don't know if this person was Ted Bundy inspired or what, but this was odd. He was a very handsome blonde man with slightly long hair and a cast on his arm. Now, my first instinct was to drive off, but he was leaning on the front hood part of my car and I didn't want to hurt him, so I rolled my window down just an inch so he could speak and maybe back up just a bit so I could drive off without hitting him. But nope, he stayed glued on my car. He then asked me if I could help him with directions and look up an address for him. I said, um, I really need to go, sir. Maybe ask in the drugstore they can help? Already went to the supermarket and they couldn't help. That place closed at 8, and there was no way this guy had just been lurking around for five hours waiting for some random girl's help. He then went on about feeling really tired and if I could just give him water or food I bought since he had no money. I told him okay and began to reach to my passenger side to grab the chips I got and began to roll the window down slightly. And like I expected, he moved closer to my window, but he was now off the car, so I hit the gas. He chased my car and I heard a scraping sound on the side as I pulled away. I didn't drive directly home in case I was followed and drove down the highway for an hour because I was so distraught over what happened. I finally got home and my entire side of my car had been scraped from the door almost to the trunk. I'm really sure he used a knife or some sharp object because it was a really rough scrape. I reported the incident, but... They never found him or any similar incidents in my town. He was watching me the whole time, maybe from the windows of the store, because how else would he have known I bought food? I also think he hid behind my car so I couldn't see him when I came out. I feel like he was trying to get me before I got in my car, but I got in too fast. So, creep in the parking lot, let's not meet again. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. If you'd like to get your story on the show, we have several different submission options available and you can find them all at disturbedpodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 701-354-3667, and it just might make it into the show. Or head over to the website and click the voicemail tab on the right. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Christian Putnam, Candace Dingler, Lucas Odermatt, Sam, Julio Sandejas, Laura McCallum, and Aaron. They'll now be getting instant access to all 16 of our bonus episodes with two more on the way here in December that only our Patreon members will get to hear. Not only that, but new episodes for our patrons drop a day early every Wednesday, ad-free. So take advantage and become a patron today patreon.com slash disturbed podcast music by carl casey at white bat audio and co.ag thanks for listening we'll be back december 30th with a brand new episode and stay safe out there y'all